Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Alex Coos. And I'm Matt Croger. Thanks for joining us for our Kings of the Commonwealth Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, thanks to all of you who submitted questions a few weeks back and to those that submitted their late questions. Today we're going on a trip down the lane and into the dark pass of your two favourite Countercharge hosts, us. Uh, but first of all, as tradition, let's have a hobby catch-up. What have you been up to, Alex? Well, it feels like it's just been the same update for 12 months in a row, but I have been working on my uh, foot knights, uh, or, which will be foot guard for League of Rodia Army. So I've been, I started a batch of 29 of them, I think it was, early on in the lockdown that I got mostly through painting at some point and then realized that I didn't like the yellow. So I stopped painting them and then just left them there. Until I think just after Christmas, I started working on them again. I repainted all the yellow, and so now they're ninety-nine percent done. They should be finished tonight, and you know, be done by the time this episode gets released. And that'll be my first horde of foot guard for uh, my Cult of the Raven League of Rordia army, and then I can move on. Yeah, in twelve months on the next horde. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I had I had I did sixteen or eighteen of them uh, just before lockdown last year, and now I'm going to have to go back and redo the yellow on those two to make them match. Oh, and then, then no. there's a and then the twelve more to round those guys out. But I think as a break, I just picked up a box of the the mounted uh, Agincourt knights from Perry and a box of the War Games Atlantic halflings mm-hmm. this week. So I think as a as a change of pace. I'll paint up my mounted scouts and maybe a couple char- mounted characters from that box and then see if I feel like going on to one of my uh, giant ravens for my pegasi or go back to the foot guard to kind of just get them all done and dusted mm. before moving to the fun stuff. I have my friend Eamon, who was on our 3D printing episode last year. He's printing up a bunch of stuff for me for this army too. So once he gets his resin re-upped he's running low right now so once he gets more resin he's gonna i'm gonna receive a few very cool additions for this army that i'm gonna hopefully like make it a little more than just a boring human army yeah nice Mm. pretty fun well the giant ravens sound cool too well yeah the giant ravens are awesome and then you know there's that Kingdoms of Mercy, a Kickstarter that just came out, has a whole bunch of really cool stuff too. I think I know I know a lot of Brotherhood and Brother Mark players are looking for, forward to that. Mm. There's a few things in there for Rordia as well. So I'm pretty excited for you know for when I get those. So I kind of want to get the as much of the boring stuff done now, get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. How about you? How, what have you been working on? 
Well, similar to you, it seems like, you know, long-term updates, but I've been plugging away the Dragon Empire. I'm not really painting to a list. I'm just kind of, to try and keep, because I've got so much of it, (laughs) I'm trying to just kind of paint wherever uh, the fancy takes me. So I've done two hordes of Palace Guard, which I kind of did those because I knew they were, uh, I think at the start of the year, I said I want to have 2,000 points done by the end of the year, and I knew two hordes, <laughs> that would take up a fair chunk. It's always the easy stuff to get off the, off the list. Yeah, yeah, the plus, pl- yeah, plus they're good, right? So. <laughs> it helps, it helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've got a regiment of spears done as well, and a, and a few characters, and I've done up a few of the bases. I showed you guys some pictures of the bamboo and the sakura trees that I was painting up to go with that. What else have I done? I painted some more dwarves, actually, some sharpshooters, and I'm working on a Golux Fury because had a tournament a couple of weekends back uh, that I took the dwarves to, uh, and I needed some more shooting in that list. And, and what else? I played my first game of Armada, which was great fun. Great fun. Uh, yeah, it's great. I, yeah. I, I haven't chance to actually play it yet. Yeah, it's it's really simple. So I literally picked it up and knocked a game out in not that much longer than an hour. So, uh, and that was, we, we only did a, a 99 or 100 points or something. So it was just three ships each. Um, and we still did it on the normal size board. So if you had a smaller board, it'd go even quicker. Um, and maybe if you did four ships on that size board, it wouldn't even necessarily take that much longer. But uh, yeah, it was great fun. I'll definitely be playing more of that. Mm. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. It, like, that's one of the, like, well, like everything, like a game has to look cool, but then you know, it also has to play well as well. I think uh, a game like that sounds like a perfect, like Friday night at the GT kind of game where you can, you know, it's a, it's small. You can bring it in addition to your Kings of War list and your Kings of War army, and you can get a couple, you know, lightweight games in on a Friday night over some beers. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it's different enough too. I really enjoyed the scale of it. Uh, but like, say, different to Kings of War, uh, your movement value, you kind of have to move the, the whole move. So you can't kind of move up to your move and then you're pivoting, depending on your special rules, usually at the end of that move. So you've got to take into account that you'll be going your full range and depending on your speed, multiples of that range. So it's it's a little less precise when you're trying to lay things out. And uh, I think that's a good thing for a kind of a beer and pretzels game. Yeah, I guess there's not there aren't really breaks on uh, sailing ships, so that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so I think when Papa Rob suggested we do this episode, Alex, he was hoping to let the viewers get to know us a little bit more. Uh, so I thought we'd have a delve into the past of Mr. Coos. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and not just game, uh, your gaming background, but uh, a bit about the Alex Coos life story? Well, um, I'm born and raised here in southern Ontario in Canada. Uh, I grew up in a small town uh, on Lake Huron called King Carden, just kind of like six, ten thousand 10,000 people. Um, pretty small town. Parents were from Toronto, so they would, our, my grandparents lived in Toronto as well, which is like the major city here. And so we'd spend a lot of time going back and forth to visit them, which is where I ran into uh, Games Workshop and all the whole world of nerdery. And there's like a nice little hobby shop right around the corner from my 
my grandmother's house. It's like the, my parents could just drop me off there for a couple <laughs> hours. Get someone to do the babysitting for them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of, kind of grew up, you know, nerdy kid playing Hero Quest in elementary school with my friends and then, you know, graduating to Warhammer and Fantasy and 40K. Um, I went to university here in Hamilton, um, where I have, where I live now. I and I got a degree in economics and physics, and uh, went to I moved to Toronto to do a post grad in uh, strategic analytical marketing, which I then did for I guess eight or nine years as a consultant, kind of using math to. Uh, optimize marketing messaging which was fun at first and then soul draining <laughs> the end. Yeah. Uh, so that was in toronto where i met my wife and then we we moved to hamilton and i decided to switch careers and to do something a little more um that would help people a little more than just helping companies sell things to them so i I switched and um, went into osteopathy, which was uh, a four-year program that I just graduated from, I guess, a year and a half ago now. It feels like just a little while ago, but it's just before, about six months before the lockdown. So now I'm uh, practicing osteopath and teacher at the Canadian Academy of Osteopathy here in Hamilton, you know, trying to help people move better live better lives. Uh, I got three dogs, a uh, Boston Terrier, Brussels Griffon, and a uh, Jack Russell Terrier. And uh, yeah, we just kind of, which has been nice because like moving to Hamilton and then the lockdown happening just last year, you know, having, you know, a wonderful wife and three dogs has helped keep things, you know, bearable when we've been stuck in inside for long stretches of time. Yeah, absolutely. What are the dogs' names? Uh, uh, the Boston Terrier is Rudy, mm-hmm. uh, Russell, the Brussels, uh, and then, uh, Lily, the Jack Russell Terrier. She's the newest one. She was a rescue that we got just after we moved here. And within like two weeks, she was running the whole house. So <laughs> they all, they all defer to her yep. and she sets the time for when she, we, they all eat and <laughs> She's in charge of everything. It's hilarious. But she's the smallest and the bossiest. Anyone who has a Jack Russell knows how uh, willful they are. Yeah, I am. Um, <clears throat> we used to have a Jack Russell. I, we were talking before, but then we had a sound issue, so I don't know if you heard. But um, we had a Jack Russell growing up and a Cavalier King Charles, and the Jack Russell could dig and get out, and the Cavalier King Charles was too dumb to even look at the hole and get out of it once it was already there. Yeah, my sister had two of those, and they yeah they are dumb as bricks. They're cute to look at, but man, there's not much. Yeah, yeah, there's barely two brain cells to rub together in those heads. Yeah, I love all dogs though. So, Mm. and then, uh, how about you? Like, what's uh, what got Matt to where he is now? Well, funnily enough, uh, I grew up in a place, uh, well, near a place called Toronto too. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, our our Australian version uh, so I grew up in a little place called Lake Macquarie um, so also near a lake uh, grew up my uh, my parents 
well, sorry, my grandparents actually live on the same street as each other and that's how my parents met. <laughs> so my, uh, my family's already been, always been very close there. Uh, and so we grew up around that area, spent a lot of time on the lake. Uh, I actually didn't play a lot of gaming. Like I probably did more video gaming as a kid. Well, what kind of video games there were, you know, on the 133 hertz computers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, when PlayStation and that came out, I, I dabbled a little bit in Warhammer probably when I was around 10 to 12, but didn't massively get into playing it. I was kind of just reading the books and things like that. I'd buy the White Dwarves. Uh, you know, it was all pretty pricey. Lake Macquarie's a fairly working class town. So, you know, dad was a dad was an electrician or a sparky, as we call them here. And um, mum was a stay-at-home mum, and I was one of four. Uh and so grew up there my whole life, went to uni, did, did physio, uh, did one year close by. And then uh, at the end of the year, my, well, then fiance and I got married and we moved to Canberra, which is about four and a half, five hours away. Um, I worked for a guy here for six or seven years and then we went into business together. So also like you own my own business in the, in the health field. Um, my business is, is, uh, very good at supporting the local hobby around here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a frequent sponsor of events. <laughs> um, so, and and my own armies. <laughs> uh, don't tell the tax man. Um, so, uh, mental health expense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, corporate gifts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's me. My wife and I have been this year, towards the end of the year, will be 13 years that we'll, we've been married. I have two cats, Yoda and Obi-Wan. Uh, they for they frequently make appearances on my Clash of Kings videos for the tournament goers, and so they're, they're quite popular. And I have a beautiful little daughter who's 18 months old called Florence, um, who... I'm hoping might one one day might do the the new board game cave now that uh, Aubrey's not keen anymore from Rob. <laughs> That's if we're still going in enough years where she can talk enough to do a board game review. We got a couple of years to, to yeah, yeah. warm her warm her up to yeah the exactly yeah exactly we might we might have thirty three hosts across the world or something by then hopefully if Kings keeps growing. Uh, so that's um that's a bit about us uh we'll take a brief break and we'll get into your questions are you looking for an environment where it's safe to show pictures of your one-eyed monsters counter charge after dark the home of safe hobby check the show notes for the discord link Welcome back. Uh, so with an Ask Me Anything, it's kind of just a free form uh, forum for you guys just to like literally ask us anything and we can just put us on the spot and get us to ask answer whatever you want to know about the game, the hobby, the community, ourselves, or whatever random thing that comes to mind. So we put out the call a couple weeks ago and compiled an extensive list of questions that neither of us has prepared for at all. 
So uh, hopefully this is uh, this is going to be fun for, fun for everyone. Uh, it's going to be it'll be a thing, but I think it'll be a, a good time. So I'm going to start by asking Matt a question from some guy named Robert Fanouf. Mm. Sounds French. Maybe he's yeah. from uh, here in uh, Quebec. Maybe I, I would have said Fanouf. Fanny, okay, well, yeah, yeah well, you're Australian, yeah, so you yeah. don't know how to use English. So. Mm, yeah, or true. Friend. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, Matt, do you have to have special heat-resistant army cases in Australia to protect your models from melting? Oh, interesting question, uh, Mr. Fannyf. Um, so... The, the quick answer is no. The interesting thing about my part of Australia is why it doesn't, well, actually it does very occasionally snow, but we range from, you know, round about minus five degrees Celsius in winter, which is, who knows what that is in Fahrenheit, seriously, uh, to 40 plus in summer. So uh, we have to be prepared for, for all ranges uh, here. Um, I know the 40 plus is well over 100 in, in Fahrenheit, I think. But the short answer is no. We use the same cases as everywhere else in the world. <laughs> All right, next up we have a question from Sterling Netslaw, who is a.k.a. Chaos, Chaos Cowboy on Discord. Uh, what do you dislike the most about Kings of War 3rd Edition? You guys roasted Vanguard. What does Kings of War do wrong in your eyes? No system is perfect. Alex, do you want to start? I think just generally... And this is coming from the perspective of someone who played like through all of, through second edition for I guess the five years. It feels like there's a little more sameness between the lists. Like we have a lot of lists now. There's 26 armies, but I feel like one of the things that might need a little tweaking is just helping armies feel a little more differentiated between each other. And there's a little bit of overlap or just commonality between units across lists right now i think that's like probably my main not i guess gripe or you know the one thing that bugs me most about the current state of king's war mm. i think whole yeah it's it's in good shape but yeah that's probably what, what bugs me the most right now yeah, see, when I first picked up third, I'm the same as you, played all through second, I actually thought they had made the right moves towards a bit more of um, theminess and getting some flavour. And, I mean, I, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure I'm quite as far along the line as, as you are there. But, but in a similar vein, I think I don't, I don't like it when armies can do everything well or really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's a couple of armies that stand out that do that. And I think that in some ways gives them a little bit of an advantage. Not that we're seeing them dominators in everyone taking them, but I like to see lists with weaknesses. Um, so, for example, with dwarves, speed's our weakness, right? But we make up for that with good access to shooting, particularly four-plus shooting, uh, good access to war machines, and, um, you know, and... I guess, tough blocks of infantry. Uh, so I, I do like to see those weaknesses in the list, and I, I don't like to see them ironed out by allies generally. Yeah, I'd say that's... There are a few... I know this is not a universal opinion, as was, you know, fanatics will... <laughs> always some will disagree with you. But uh, 
Yeah, there are definitely some allies package ally packages that are quite potent right now. I don't think they're no, notice. Uh, I don't think that they're getting as much notice yet as they should. But I think as the year goes on, I think people will start noticing that as well. So yeah, you. I, I definitely think there should be more trade offs and a little more character. Yeah. With within lists. Yeah. Um. A question specific for you, Alex, from Robert Lee. Can an African swallow carry a coconut? I will <laughs> acknowledge and appreciate the Monty Python reference. <laughs> <laughs> the physicist in me wants to say no. But then I'd also be like, well, it depends on the size of the coconut and how ripe it is. Because I imagine a full-size coconut full of coconut water, probably not. But who knows? What's our definition of a coconut? When does True. a coconut a coconut? Yeah, so, well, I would say a piece of a coconut is still a coconut. Yeah, so I'd say it depends, and maybe. But <laughs> well, well, if we define coconut as a piece of a coconut, surely it could. Then absolutely. Yeah. Like a seed, a coconut seed. Yep. You know, just a little unripened nub of coconut. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I don't have a lot of coconut trees around here for reference, <laughs> so I'm not really sure about the whole like ripening growth yeah. process, but yeah. I'd say that it's not impossible. I'm not sure if I've heard of a nub of coconut before, but let's roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Coconuts? <laughs> coconuts. There's, there's, there's a market for that somewhere. Yeah. That's, well, there. Come from our ex-marketing guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on from Michael Geld. If you could have one new army added to Kings of War, what would it be? He says he'd love a fantasy, fantasy style mercenary company of like orcs, goblins, dwarves, pretty much any race that, and like, that could be fielded together. So kind of like a multiracial dogs of war from fantasy mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of idea. How about you, Matt? What, what do you think should be added or what would be fun for you to be added? Um, look, I don't know if I want to add, actually. <laughs> yeah, I would actually just do a bit better with the theme lists. <laughs> um, to me, I think a lot of the theme lists aren't, aren't done that well necessarily and, and probably aren't as flavoursome as they could be. So, I mean, I was a big fan of the uh, Wood Elves in Warhammer. Like, I'd love to see that done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Mm. What about yourself? More than a couple of you are going to be yelling at the, your listening device of choice. I know Jay Rosado definitely is saying Ophidians would definitely be the first choice for a lot of people. Because so I think another undead army or another army that kind of mixes in living and, un, and undead units could be fun. Uh, but I think right now they're having a hard enough time with the undead list and keeping it balanced and, you know, not too broad so adding another one could be a problem i think the jarvis you know workaround right now is good enough mm. but yeah i tend to agree with you like there's this the the theme lists aren't super flavorful or they don't alter the playstyle enough in a meaningful way so it's tricky to say what i would add like <laughs> i think like a true mercenary style company sounds like a neat idea, 
but then again, I think then it just gets into the, the the tricky part of keeping it balanced and and good. Like that kind of goes back to the Dogs of War army and fantasy, where you got a little bit of everything, but nothing could be great because you got everything. So they ended up just being kind of like a bad army in in like totality. Mm. Yep. I think I do like your idea of like actually taking the Sylvan Kin list further and like just making it like I know Westphalia had those feral elves or not feral, but they're more wild and more primitive. Mm. I think really leaning into something like that could be good. Like, mm. I, and and I, well, I like, think they've certainly got the unit there for something like that, right? With the boss graiths, like the fluff for them yeah. is that they're wild elves, you know, and yeah. uh, they could easily develop that. And it'd be popular, I, I reckon. With twenty six lists, it's very hard to find like a gap. I think. I think really the idea is what what is being duplicated with all within all those lists, mm. and or like what are you trying to achieve with the mm. the theme list? Isn't being taken far enough? I think all the theme lists could be taken farther, or yeah. most of them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 I think that's the big thing. It's like I just want like I want the theme list to be amped, the theme and theme list to be amped up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the other side of that, Mike Rossi the Great asks, "What army we would remove?" Well, to tie into the previous answer, I think right now, Brother Mark adds the least. Like mm. it's the theme list that does the least to make a different play style. Yeah. Without it, could just like Order of the Abyssal Hunt. And the um, the hunter character, they're great characters. I love it, and I like the the rally aura care, foot, you know, paladin. I think there's some cool things there, mm. and like gauntlet's a fun kind of goofy special rule. But I, I I don't think it plays differently enough from best lands, and I don't think it's something you choose over um, order of the green lady or even like kingdoms of men or Rordia if you want to run like knights and stuff like that yeah i I actually probably agree with you there and i I love the various i mean it's what i'm building my dragon empire for for the various human factions but uh, just i mean even green lady has a very different feel which is fine but it's still on that difficult end to build a list which is again fine but i think they those two almost need to be combined you know i'd like to see or eventually turn into some sort of theme lists themselves like i think you know have multiple types of cav options and multiple times of infantry options i I know that gets a bit big and unwieldy but i kind of agree with you there i mean the other thing that i just don't think does a lot is the ratkin slaves list i know you love ratkin but um i do love i i and i know there's a handful like three people out there who love the ratkin slaves list Hmm. but it yeah i don't i don't think it does anything well enough to like like the the last breath rule is kind of neat but it's like it's also hamstrung with its implementation and yeah ratkin with you know abyssal dwarf allies or abyssal dwarfs with ratkin allies kind of just it doesn't do much different than that i don't think yeah and i think because of that we probably won't see it go anywhere right because there's two rangers that mantic can sell for one army and now that ratkin are coming out but i mean that's what you could see with say the human the humans like if you did basileia combined with forces of nature instead you know yeah then that would work better from a marketing point of view 
I think yeah, I think Brother Mark and Slaves just kind of both suffer from like they didn't push the theme hard enough to differentiate it hmm. from the rest or to make it like a fully formed idea. They're, they they just feel partially formed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. So next question. This one is for Matt from Jake the Pikachu. Um, Jake's fist in general direction of unplugged. Um, Matt, since I know you play Warhammer Total War, what factions are your favorite and with what leader? And have there ever been any disappointments with a faction? He says for him... He's the most disappointed in Beastmen. He just says they're just not as good as the rest of the available forces. What do you think, Matt? Well, I certainly play a lot of Total War. I'm a bit embarrassed. I'd I'd be too embarrassed to say how many hours I've put into that game. Um, My favorite always goes back to my original love from Warhammer, which is the Wood Elves. Um, And I enjoy playing with Orion. As, as the lead, although I'm quite frequently drawn back to to the dwarves, and I've played heaps with the dwarves as well. Uh, so dwarves was one of those armies when it went back to Warhammer that I kind of always wanted to play but never did, and into second edition of Kings of War as well. And so, you know, now I've got a real buzz for them. Disappointment-wise, mm, to me, I actually think... The army's cool, but the the Tomb Kings is a bit of a disappointment, and it's, I just found it a little bit easy uh, with Setra and and things. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that the Tomb Kings were a bit of a disappointment from for me. Uh, but man, I love that game. I can't wait for the third one to come out. Have you? you, you I, have you played it? I downloaded at the beginning of the of the lockdown during one of the Steam sales. I downloaded a bunch of the expansions and in like all this hope and grandeur that I was going to make time to play. Uh, but I never got around to it. I still sitting there. I don't think I've even installed it just because now all my free time is like, if I have free time, I just end up painting or in the, in the summer it gets quite hot in my office where my gaming computer is. So it's like, it's just not, not fun to be up here. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it does take a lot of time. I often just leave it on, on my computer so I can come back and do a turn or two whenever I get the opportunity. So next question also from Jake, but this time for you, Alex, Alex, yep. you are scheming for world domination by stealing the skills of the best that Kings of war has to offer. Pick whose paint playing and sportsmanship skill skills you would steal to become the ultimate triple threat. Ooh, I like this question, sort of. I don't like. I don't. It's going to be a tough one. So playing, I think it's hard to hard to pick anyone but Tom Robinson at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my two losses in competi- international competitive play this year mm-hmm. in the last eight months to humble break. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think yeah, Tom Robinson. He's he's a complete player. He play, he's definitely on another level. Uh, Paint, that's a tough one because there's so many good, so many great painters out there that all do things differently. Like, they all like, because, like, you have people like Billy Capgun and like Billy Smith and Brenton Williams, and I re- like, they have this great emotional style that like, mm. you just get like a really like visceral reaction to. That's just like, it just makes you feel good when you look at their armies. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm like leading towards one of them. Then you have people like 
Austin Kerrigan and like just these exceptional like virtuosos that are like technically like amazing. It's just like yeah, there's yeah, there's, you get people and then you get people you know who like make Nick Williams make floating island display boards and just like kind of go over the top. But I'll I'll pick the home. The, I'll make the Homer pick with uh, Billy Smith, just because I, like, every time I see one of his paint schemes and paint jobs, it just makes me feel like at peace when I see it. It's a weird little, like, kind of just they just look right, and it really resonates with me. Mm. Sportsmanship wise, oh, I've had played so many great people, um, but uh, I'll go with. Uh, K2, Kenneth Heisler, because he won best sports at my GT last, mm-hmm. I guess, two years ago at the King Beyond the Wall. And to win best sports at Canada's biggest tournament, that means you got to be a real nice guy. I thought most of you were jerks. That's, well, that's the truth. Like the rest of the week, we have a, a great marketing campaign. That we just do the next Based on maths. When you get to know us, though, well, the, the more you get to know us, the more you realize we're just a bunch of assholes. <laughs> so there you go. I'll go Tom Robinson, Billy Smith, K2, Skulters, Heisler. Mm, that is, that is going to, that's going to make you quite the player, Alex. Mm. Well, I need I need to work on a lot. So yeah, hope, hopefully you get um, hopefully you get Tom Robinson's speed of playing too. Yeah, that yeah. does help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and then one for both of us from Jake. Thanks for being so inclusive, Jake. It really makes us feel special. Yeah, it does. It's like um, having you back scratched. Mm-hmm. He's just nice. like here. You're both important people. We want to know what you have to say. I know, and both of us know that none of you really care what we say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jake says, finally, for both of you, favorite book and video game. Ooh, see, I'm I'm very nostalgic, and I'm not necessarily. Uh, I don't. I, you wouldn't call me a highbrow reader, so I I love the old feeling of um, going back to like the the Belgariad kind of books, mm-hmm. you know, even though they've got well, these classic fantasy tropes, you know, of you know, a disparate band, <laughs> you know, bonding together. But young man, hope hope for the whole world. Yes, yes, yeah. But who 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 knew he was? You know, he was royalty. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, I just I just love that that kind of book, you know, where. Not where fantasy started, but, you know, some of those original big things. So I'd, I'd say books like that and that series um, and video game for me, I think over recent years would have to be, I would have said Total War, but I think there's something that really gets me in about The Witcher, The Witcher 3 in particular. Okay. Mm. Nice. Mm. All what right. about yourself? So, books, I minus, I either like split this up, but I'll totally agree with you and piggyback onto your answer there saying like... David, well, like David Eddings, um, Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman, like the Dragonlance books, like all, and um, even like further back, like Lloyd Alexander and like the Black Cauldron and stuff like that. That's like those, and then Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. Like those are the kind of like 
my childhood of reading like when i like in elementary school like growing up like those like the first chapter books quote unquote that i, I would i read as a child and i was like really excited about we should actually call belt. tom tom ennis tennis oh. <laughs> <laughs> half elf he's a half elf and no one likes half elves and no mm. one likes people mm-hmm. from texas yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, growing up, like the nostalgia pick for that is like that kind of that you know all those books I read like those you know easy easy access you know easy to read fantasy books. Um, but I think hmm, this is going to be a, a tricky one. I'd say either as an adult, my favorite books have been the Malazan series by Steven Erickson mm-hmm. or. William Gibson's newest stuff, like his um, pattern recognition, and the the two books that follow that up um, are incredible for like near future, um, kind of cyberpunk sci-fi. It's like it his way of like, Stephen Eric or sorry William Gibson's ability to create like a completely realized world that you like you feel comfortable with and like it's different, but you totally understand it. And like his characterization is really great. Um, he's got a really great distribution of like um, strong female characters. Most of the characters in his books, the newer ones, are like really great strong female characters. Um, it's just, I think it's good because like it was one of those sci-fi books that really that both Margaret and I enjoyed. Like I read it and she read it, and then it's like something we can both enjoy. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's my favorite book recently um video game i'm like an old school computer gamer like i grew up with computers like commodore 64s built pcs with my dad we were never allowed to have consoles just computers (laughs) so uh, like i got i ended up getting a hand-me-down xbox like some point right after university from a friend who was moving out of the country and i was like this is my first console i was like mind-boggling like how (laughs) it was just weird uh for me but i still think i think my favorite game the one i put the most time into it's probably tied between panzer general it's like a world war ii like kind of hex-based grand strategic game where you know uh go through world war ii and uh jagged alliance 2 which is probably my actual favorite Mm -hmm. it's like you got this you control. You're in charge of a band of mercenaries that is trying to uh, overthrow a dictator in South America, and aliens get involved at some point. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like That's broad. It's kind of like lightweight, <laughs> like lightweight XCOM. Like so, but it's like all realistic weapons. Like it's all modern. Um, it's like two. You get up to two squads of five guys, and you kind of like just take over. You just go grid like grid based map campaign um that is a lot of fun that's probably like the one game that i put the most time and effort into and really still love and i think I, I downloaded it on steam a little while ago to run there's like a version you can run on modern computers but yeah i'm a i'm a sucker for turn-based like squad strategy games that's just that's my jam there's something about older school too isn't there like i, I actually still i've downloaded like it's a game, I don't know how many years ago now, but I'm currently playing the old Pharaoh city building game. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, set in yeah, so set in Egypt, and it's you know I just love turning back the clock every now and then. Yeah, it's just nice. Like they, things look a lot cooler now, but just the game. Like I, it's like, well, like we read books, and we don't we don't always watch movies, right? So it's it's like a different sort of stimulus. Yeah. I really like, and the gameplay is, you know, different. Modern gameplay is different than old school gameplay. So mm. I think it's. Yeah, it's just again, it's like the nostalgia, which is what we grew up with. Absolutely. Uh, this here's one for you, Alex, from the Lord of Dwarves, Billy Smith. Alex, where did the Star Wars sequels and prequels touch you? <laughs> um, so yeah, Billy and I have a little bit of an ongoing back and forth about how um, he doesn't acknowledge that the prequels and sequel Star Wars prequels and sequels are terrible, like objectively horrible movies. And I just like to draw that to to his attention every once in a while <laughs> uh but and i love billy he's a great guy I, and i really admire his ability to completely disregard blatant <laughs> and horrible flaws and things and still enjoy them uh he's a good man billy he's a good man I love that guy. Mm. um props to his uh he had some during that snowstorm that they had in Tennessee, he had some pretty cool lightsaber photos in the snow. So I'll give him props for that. Yeah, I did say that. That was very cool. Yeah. Um, and on a similar topic from Billy, Matt, as a sensible man of taste, how do you feel about non-original trilogy Star Wars? <laughs> well, funnily enough, Alex, I lean more towards the Billy than the Alex. But... The most recent ones, so as in which I guess are now the sequels, I'm I'm happier with those than the prequels. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I mostly it's, really- it's not the story that gets me about the prequels. It's the terrible, terrible acting. Oh, yeah, oh it's my terrible. God. Hayden Christensen. Seriously, man, I'm glad he got a new job after those because yep. you know, he wasn't going to last. It's hilarious. Like I think back, like the prequels are a good story told horribly. Yeah. And then the sequels are like just a mess of a story that makes no sense told with great visuals. <laughs> I am a bit like Billy though that I can ju- I can just appreciate that. But um yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's it's the acting of the prequels that got me. Th- thankfully great. Natalie Portman survived, but uh you know, yeah. also thankfully. Yeah, it's Christian amazing how not. many great actors are in that prequel yes. trilogy and how poorly it is acted. <laughs> it's like that's like a like an indictment of writing and directing if you've ever seen one. Like yeah. it's just like you you have no idea how to write or direct a movie if you get all those actors in one in one place and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then we've got a controversial one from Stephen Hildrew. I have a bad back. Which is better, physiotherapist or osteopathic treatment? Do you want uh, a full recovery or do you want... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know how long we've got to debate this, Steve. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a comprehensive healthcare plan could include both. That that is a very good answer, Alex. That's a very good answer. <laughs> but we both know that I would be better at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you 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 are generally better than me all round. Better gamer, better looking. You know, 
more sonorous. You have better weather. You guys, you have better weather. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, 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 I would take that. Yeah. Uh, Alex, we had a pre-Valentine's question, but we'll we'll still use it from Justin Gis- um, Gisby, Gisby class, Clark. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Alex Coos, what are your favourite types of flowers to receive? Because it's almost Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, we missed Valentine's Day and my birthday. But I think I'll say um, one I always make sure it, that is in the bouquets I get for Margaret are, uh, I think they're called, I think they're chrysanthemums. Oh, they're yeah. really cool. They look awesome. Mm-hmm. Can you spell it? Uh, not right now. No. <laughs> not without Google. <laughs> yeah, I think it starts with C. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long week. But yeah, yeah uh, I'd say. So next time, or if you just want to send me a belated birthday present, uh, Justin, there you go. Yeah, get on the chrysanthemums. How about you, Matt? Yeah, oh, oh, for me. Oh. I, I, now, hey, it's ask ask me anything. I'm 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 in. You're jumping game, in. So. Okay, all right. Mm, look, I I could really go a simple rose, you know. And from you, Alex, I would take it as red for love, a red rose. Yeah, yeah, none of this yellow friend stuff. It'd definitely be red. No. Yeah, you know, the deepest, most passionate red. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, see, you know me. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've got, oh, very sensible question here from Matt Croger. Alex Coos, is it true that your turns on UB sometimes go so long that somebody can leave, go pick up their children from daycare and return like nothing's happened? It, it, that is true. <laughs> also, there's video evidence. Um, in one of my many streamed games um, on uh, Dash 28. Mm, where you've only lost occur- two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, I, in my defense for that, um, two, point, two points. Um, we, we knew that that was going to happen, and there was a questionable charge or like a, a rules question that I wanted to make sure that he was there for that came up while he was gone. <laughs> so we, d- I didn't get quite through my whole turn because I waited for him to come back. But yes, it, I, I have been known to play ex- extremely slowly on UB. But I feel like that's just part of who I am. I will use like my personality traits just for a little more depth since this is what it's all about. I will use all of the time available to me, no matter how much time is available to me. Mm. I will like pretty much always have like five minutes left on a clock, no matter how much clock there is in a game. Mm. Yep. So you, ex- you expanding to the space to given to you. Yeah. I, if, the, if I'm getting ready to go somewhere, I will be ready like right on time every time, but like not early ever. Uh, the only times this is different. Like when I was writing tests in uni- high school, university, post-grad stuff, I'm always the first person to finish a test, but that's the only like, only time. But every like for games, and like generally in life, I will use all the time available to accomplish the task. Mm. I was like that with tests too. Actually, I remember because my wife and I were we dated at high school, and when it came to one test, because I was at I was a year ahead, so I was in my first year of uni. And I had a test on neurological physio and I'd worked out that I only needed 50% and I had to get to her formal, her graduation <laughs> formal at the end. Yeah. And so I literally wrote the bare minimum I knew would get me over the line for that 50% and then just left. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it worked. <laughs> yeah. there, 
have been a few multiple choice tests where I think I was like clocking like 10, 10 questions a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, that, that's a fair effort. I can't imagine that but, from you, Alex. <laughs> but Kings of War is totally different, different ball game. I slow right down. Yeah. It's weird. Like it's, I, when I, well, you, it's funny because you mentioned Tom earlier. Like when we played, our game went pretty quickly. Like I think it was, like I had, I've had played games on UB that are like under two hours or just over two hours. But it's just like a, if, if the other person's playing slowly, I'll play slowly. And if there's no clock, then they'll just like, then I'll, that will also make me play slowly. So it's yeah i'm like i'm like i'm like a gas i just mm. fill the space available <laughs> or i'm just full of hot air i don't yeah, know yeah. It's just one of the <laughs> all right so uh here's another question here's another question from steve hildrew um what's your opinion on child labor matt <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is specifically targeted at me. Look, um, if you're paying market rate, you're paying them too much. <laughs> Sometimes you just need people who are small and flexible to yeah. get into tight spaces. <laughs> yeah, so this is directed at the fact that I get my mate's friends to do the cleaning of my models for me and the tidying up. <laughs> my, my mate's kids, sorry. And so in that regard... I am all for child labor. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Spending, teach them some responsibility. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And in fairness, I told him to set the rate. Yeah. 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 If he's not fairly valuing his own time, it's, it's only, he only has himself to blame. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I will therefore be supporting his hobby. So child labor all the way. Yeah. Mm. You Let agree? Let keep a few. I feel like your arrangements, that's that's solid. It's like getting someone to mow your lawn, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, shovel your driveway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did, they, did, um, they did a happiness study recently, right? They gave two, two different groups of people. So one group of people, they gave money and said, spend it on what you, what you want. And they gave the other group money and said, spend it on getting someone else to do tasks you don't want to do. And that group was way happier. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. If child labor equals my happiness, child labor all the way. Yeah, if I have to sacrifice children to be happy, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this one's specifically for you, Alex, from Mark Cunningham, who the king of the weird questions, right? Um, And just so I don't have to do a bleep, I'm going to change a word here. Yep, otherwise we'll get in trouble from, from Papa Rob. Uh, okay. Yep. When Canadians do a phallus measuring contest, does a rematch occur in the summer to account for seasonal shrinkage? Well, a true Canadian isn't affected by temperature. Oh, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> a true Australian knows that we'll never compete, so we just don't go in them. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's a question for Matt, or for both of us, actually, from Darren Qualls. He says, looking through the Mantic line, um, he thinks that Grokogamok is his favorite sculpt. Uh, what is your all's favorite sculpt from the Mantic line? And what about non-Mantic? What do you think, Matt? Mm, I have to say, I don't own one, but I have to say I love the Mantic Phoenix. And um, I have it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and just just the paint jobs I've seen on that. Non-mantic. 
Oh, non-mantic's difficult. It'll be something from Shibor or Mersha. Uh, or, um, um, oh, this is so difficult. I have a I have a lord that I'm yet to paint who's riding a wild boar from Shibor, and I love that. Awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of piggyback. The Phoenix, the Mantix Phoenix, is awesome. I think it's a great way to like. It's like it's a Titan, and like it really like is huge, it's, and it's like impactful. It can really like be a good centerpiece. But like as a whole line, I think. I really like. I hate goblins in Kings of War. They're like, but the new goblins are really cool. Very I sexy. Think. I really like the. New, they got a really good vibe to them. My favorite non-mantic. I, I have. I'm gonna say there's a, raven riding. Viking woman from Mercia is uh, Berna on her Felrapnin, which is I have three of them, so I must love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably a good indicator, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that it's it's such an awesome mini. I love it. I like all the like I've obviously talked about it all the time, but I love all their their Norse line. That's all the Raven themed Norse stuff, yeah. and then yeah. know, they're like pagan stuff. It's uh, just get a better website, yeah, Mercia. I know oh, they're not God, listening, yes. but for Christ's sake, you know. Please. Yeah. I don't want to have to learn another language. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, from Danny Graves. Just exactly how drunk would you have to be before you could be persuaded to get naked and saucy with a lady girl goblin? Like that bit in Gremlins 2. Oh, God. We were, oh, Gremlins 2 is so bad. We, re, we, we rewatched it over the holidays, and I was like, this is, it's definitely not nearly as good as Gremlins 1. It is. <laughs> vastly inferior but anyway <laughs> um that's a very that's very drunk <laughs> oh really that's yeah yeah i'd say first sip for me yeah, yeah. well you're in australia <laughs> I, that, that's isn't that just what you isn't i guess sheila is like a lady girl goblin that's yeah. like kind of what standard yeah. is out there right yeah yeah true true yeah except for my lovely wife yeah Yes. But. <laughs> Not that she's exactly. ever listened to an episode of this at all. <laughs> the exception that proves the rule, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, I can tell you I am punching well above my weight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So you're a very drunk and I'm just a sip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from Here's one from Matt Goody. He says, define PMC. Uh, I, I can define this. This is the number that Mantic put in the book as a suggestion that everyone can just stop bloody whinging about. And just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> as a like as a player and a TO, I my like I have a pretty s- standard definition of what you know it is. Like, is does it look cool? Is it like clear what it is? And does it like fill the base reasonably well? Mm. Like, I don't know. There used to I think in second edition there was a line that said equi- um, it's like MMC or whatever or equivalent volume. And I think that's like the big one for me is like equivalent mm. volume. Yeah, just yeah. make the look like it's a unit. I just don't. Like if there's more empty space than, you know, troops, then the, it, there should be a good reason for it. But I think just make make the unit have some weight mm. to it, vis, visual weight. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. 
make the cooler it looks, the easier that is to achieve. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And uh, here we have a t- typical nutter question from Visibly Riley. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't even know where this is going, seriously. Uh, I hope you understand it better than I do. Uh, why does Alex Coos keep insisting the only true science is astrology? And what does that have to do with all those crayons Steve Hildrew keeps eating? They know you can't just eat the evidence of Jeremy Duvall's indiscretions, right? I feel like this is getting hitting a little too close to the truth of like the whole lizard conspiracy theories that you know countercharge is based on. It's like all you know. I think I think we might have to get rid of visibly Riley. Okay. All right. I'll see you, Riley. Bugger off, mate. Back to your hole. <laughs> You're too close to the truth. Yeah, you're, you're too, too close to the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Somebody beam him, please. Beam him up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's, a, here's another one from Darren Qualls. Uh, also, what's a good amount of points for a starter game where both players are brand spanking new? Well, I don't... Just to mm. say, like, if you want to include spanking in Kings of War, that's like... I'm not going to yuck your yum or you know any kink shaming here, but maybe not for beginners. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it depends where you're picking up the newbies, right? You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know where it's from, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. So um, so the first point of that is probably where they're from. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'd say I, I, it'd either be 750 or 1,000 on a 4x4. Four four. And, yeah. and I think I think 1,000 gives you that little bit more variety. So I would still try and tend towards slightly larger. So if someone wants to bring a horde, you know, it's not too dominating in terms of the list. Uh, that's what I'd go for. Yeah, I think a thousand points is when the is is the point where the game is the game. It is. I think yep. below. I know Mark Zelensky Zelensky plays five hundred point games, and uh, Jake Cherapika wrote an article about playing lower points games mm. on Dash Twenty Eight. But I think Kings of War is, doesn't operate like Kings of War at super low points values. I think a thousand points lets you play the game. Yeah, more or less the way it is. Totally agree. And look, let's be honest. Mark only plays five hundred points because that's all he's got painted. That's true. Yeah, mm. he might get another five hundred points painted this decade. So we're you know, true, fingers crossed. True. Yeah, and then he might play a, a real game of Kings of War sometime. Mm-hmm. Mm. He said he's coming to King Beyond the Wall at some point. Mm. So if that happens next year, mm. Mm. and he's committed to Lone Wolf twenty twenty two. He's got a lot of work to do this year. Yeah. Mm. All right, here's a question for Matt, or for you, Matt, uh, from Michael Clark. So is it true, after Ozzycock21, you are now the 17th best Kings of War player in Canberra, and you're only that high because there are only 17 players in Canberra? Uh-huh. Canberra? Yeah, Canberra. That, 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 yeah, that that could be true. Um, but the reality is, is two weekends ago, even if I was the seventeenth, I went up to where Michael is in Sydney and came second. So that still puts me above all the Sydney players, except one. There you go. Yeah. So yep. I don't know what that Michael. makes you, Michael. Besides old and grumpy. Uh, now, a question from the man, Erasmus Berger, who Steve Hildrew tried to claim that wasn't his real name, but it is. I always believed you, Erasmus. Um, what's your best idea to improve the game, Alex? Oof. Hmm. Get rid of goblins? <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I think... Uh, 
Hmm. That's a tough one. Thanks, Erasmus. Mm. Uh, I helped you find an apartment and you asked me this. Uh, <laughs> I think specifically, I I think wingets are the unit that needs the most changings, but I think that doesn't really affect the whole game as a mm. whole. Um, I I think it just kind of goes back to what we are talking about, list var- variants or mm. uh List character. I think the game is super solid across the board, rules wise. I don't. I know there's been a couple, you know, existential arguments about cover and backing up and stuff um, over the past few months. But I think, as a whole, the game is really solid. I think there just needs to be a. I think we, we were hitting on it before. Like, there needs to be more trade offs for the stronger lists. And there needs to be a little more character within the theme lists to make them thematic. I think that will go a long way. I think we got a little spoiled with Cock 19. There's a lot of new units and a lot of new rules and a lot of just it was crazy. It was a crazy year, mm-hmm. and we went from that to a relatively stripped down third edition. Yeah. So that was a, that was a bit of a transition mentally. Yeah. And I think adding back. A bit of that spice would go a long way. Yep. Along with like, there's a couple of you know, a couple of outlier units that need some fixing. But I think just add, you know, just adding a little more variety would mm. be my idea. Yeah, for me, I'd say keep pouring in that flavor. You know, let's uh, let's take a trip down to Flavor Town, see what we can do with combinations of special rules. I wouldn't mind seeing some of the stuff from Helpy's Rift make its way in, like channeling tables. I don't think, like, uh, none of that stuff was game-changing and I don't think they'd pick the really big stuff. But just to add a touch of unpredictability, I think could make, you know, some people won't like that, I know. Uh, but I think that touch of unpredictability can also unpredictability can also add fun. So, um, you know, I, would, I, would, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. Mm. Yeah, make use of this spellcaster levels and a few a few like i know that last year kind of put a damper on a lot of the developments they had in mind mm-hmm. so i think i'd like to see like those key all those keywords and stuff like really come into play well yeah I, and i think i think that's a really good point actually i, I think they're there because that's where we're going to see flavor delivered right is via mm-hmm. via keywords using mostly existing rules which i i think will also be great yeah agree mm. So here's another one from Erasmus. Uh, Cheeky extra nested question, he says. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or just a whole nest of questions. Uh, What do you think of the current list of scenarios? Would you like to add or remove any? And what types of scenarios do you like? Mm, Interesting. Um, I don't mind the diversity in scenarios. Uh, Some of them feel a bit samesy to me. I don't really like the one where you put the tokens on the six-inch line. That always feels, I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that weird one. It's yeah. kind of just like pseudo dominate, essentially. Yeah. And the ones, even like the five along the middle, because, you know, yeah. but once you're getting to that five, you, you really can only put them in certain places, 
right? It's just... It's every 12 inches on a standard table. There's no way around it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to me then you're just making... There's not a bad thing with making them spread out sometimes, but... Um, but it's kind of the same with with rays in that six inch line when they still have to be twelve inches apart, and mm-hmm. you know from the centre it still it makes it a little bit predictable. Um, when I'm having casual games, I don't particularly love the bluff scenarios, but I do like them for a tournament, um, and mostly because when I have my regular Monday night gaming, I like just going whacking my arming down and playing something I don't really have to think that hard about. But but to me, I'd look at the scenarios where it makes the placement of the tokens too predictable and there's a i'd get rid of and i'd and i'd keep the rest and i i probably mostly prefer due to ease the board control type scenarios based on unit strength so control dominate that kind of thing unfortunately i haven't i didn't get a chance to play many of the bluff token scenarios before lockdown and they're very they're a little bit of a pain to set up on ub mm. I don't have a ton of experience with them. Um, they, I, I do like their the added like level of I don't know if variability is the right word, but the the added layer of complexity and like un, in, you know imperfect information that they provide. Mm. Uh, I think that's a, I think they are a good thing. I think I used to really like this. A lot of this is flavored by the fact that I played Ratkin in second edition. So like stuff like Scour, where you could like pop out loot tokens mm. for units, those mm. were fun. Because I know a lot of people don't like progressive scoring. Yeah. But I, I and I'm I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other on it. But I think a couple, one or two scenarios that had it wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm. But yeah. I, Raise is tricky, and pill like raise, um, pillage, and plunder, not pillage, um, loot and plunder. Mm. Uh, they really, a lot of the scenarios actually now seem to really benefit from going first, which is mm. just a tricky situation to balance out. But I think maybe trying to add something that, like a scenario that, it's like pillage, control, dominate. They all somewhat. There's advantages to going first or second with those. Yeah. But I just know that I almost always choose to go first now, mm. and it seems to pay off almost all the time. Yeah. It's very... I don't know. I'm not on the rules committee. I'm not a game designer, but and I don't... I know there's lots of people who give a lot of thought to this stuff, so some sort of way to make going second a little better in a couple mm. scenarios. Because Raze is just like, if you don't go first it is a horrible scenario well and particularly if you're playing something like i mean they've got a little bit of a tweak but against say abyssal dwarves with their three heavy mortars right you mm-hmm. lose first turn you can potentially lose a massive like you can you'll lose a unit in that first yeah, game yeah. Yeah. yeah and then you're playing a unit down so yeah i do certainly think there's some advantages there like you said so from jats turk do you think there's any rhyme or reason for not including instructions on how to put cow figures together? I'm an experienced wargamer and I find it frustrating. How about the poor new entrant to the hobby? <laughs> love, I love Mantic, but yeah, there's <laughs> there are a few things where you're just like, why not? Um, mm. A little instruction sheet would go a long way. Yeah, um, and I, I don't think it would take that long. No. I mean, even if they just put it on their website, right? 
Yeah, like even yeah, if it's just online, not, you don't have to print them out. Just like here's the QR code to take you to the link or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think if you have multi-part models, there there should be some exp, uh, you know instructions or you know clearly labeled tab A slot B kind of things going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Conroy asks. Why are there so many mats who play Kings of War, and what are we going to do to reduce the numbers? Look, um, honestly, Keith, I don't give a damn what you do with the rest. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think um, there's so many mats who play Kings of War because obviously we have the most intelligent name, so we come to the gentleman's thinking war game. But, yeah, in terms of numbers, you can do what you want with the others, mate. Even Matt James, get rid of him. Let's take over the rules committee. Uh, just stay with me. Stay with me and you'll be right, Keith. I would I was just gonna suggest send them all to Australia because there's probably enough like poisonous animals down there to start culling the herd a little. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my favorite song. Come to Australia, you might accidentally get killed. Yeah. <laughs> send all the bats down there. Yeah. <laughs> uh we've got another late entrant from Erasmus. Why do you play each of your armies? Uh, so with rats, um, I play them because I love the idea of like an infantry based army and playing rats, inf- rat infantry is good because they're all speed six. So it's kind of like cheating playing infantry. <laughs> um, you just get extra fast, you know, mutually supporting units. I, I like that the interplay of, you know, regiments and hordes and troops and just the, you get a lot more units and I think. I think it was Brinton Williams said once when he was describing um, the historicals lists about Romans, and he's like, they're kind of like Ratkin. And, and when I started playing Ratkins and Ratkin and building up, collecting all my Skaven stuff, that's kind of how my brain was too. Like, it's like the legions of like you know centurions with you know auxiliaries and stuff like that. So you have those. It's all, but it's all infantry based, which I kind of really like the concept of. Then I got to add in all sorts of monsters and tunnel runners and stuff after the fact, which was cool. And that's kind of a bit more. And my new my newest army, with the Cult of the Raven, League of Rordia list, it's similar. It's it's infantry based with some large cav. But uh, you know, growing up, Henry V was probably one of my favorite movies, the Kenneth Branagh, you know, Shakespeare movie. It's like. Historically, it's kind of a disaster, but it's like, it just evokes that, like, you know, medieval battle and the, the you know, I was obsessed with Agincourt and all sorts, like the Hundred Years' War. So when Perry released the plastic uh, Hundred year war, Years' War uh, minis, I was like, I wanted to make an army out of them. It just took a while to figure out how I wanted to do it. So I just kind of glommed them into the list with all the cool Mercia Ravens. So that's, that I play that one or I'm building that because I just visually really like the idea of doing it. And Rorty has a good list, so I also like to win. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, um, and so for me, I've got a few armies. I've got my original Wood Elves, which I've based up. I haven't played them in third just because um, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have the old school. Oh, well, not the old school. I didn't have the on sh- mass shooting, but I certainly had probably more of a mixed arms force that was less infantry based 
than what seems to probably work better for elves now. So I haven't pulled them out third edition, but I, I play them basically because of nostalgia with um, with the with the models. Um, Undead again was uh, I was just getting into vampire counts before Warhammer died. I don't I haven't played them a lot in third edition just because uh, there's been a lot of them around locally, and I don't like. If I go to a tournament, I like there to be diversity in the army, so I try to bring something that that there's not a lot of. Um, so I played mostly my dwarves, and that was because that was completely different playstyle originally to to what I was used to playing. So, um, which has now turned into my most comfortable playstyle. So I, I play them mostly, and I just really love the dwarf aesthetic in my shibor models. All right, here's one from Mode Gaddafi. Uh, if you could be Ronnie Renton for a day, what would you do and why? Um, I'd spend the whole day hand in hand with Matt Croger because he's such a cool guy. <laughs> what, what about you, Alex? See, my answer is simple. Um, I would uh, fix wing it. So 9-11 nerve, <laughs> um, eye in the sky is a shooting attack. Um, yeah, and they're maybe some other things um but yeah fix goblins mm. that my first spend the day it'd probably take more than a day to do it because there's so much wrong with them true there's a fair few things you'd need to burn yeah mm. yeah um and finally from austin casey the the lover of no shirt action on after dark uh what is your favorite part of kings of war the hobby side or the gaming side uh I definitely am more of a gamer than a hobbyist, but the more I am involved in the community, the more I love the hobby. Mm. And I think the third the third answer here is I think my favorite part of King's War is the community. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd, I'd generally say gaming 100%, um, but in terms of, like, I just enjoy putting models down. Most of the time when I play King's of War... Like, I put some thought in, but I don't sit there ruminating on, you know, what's the only way to win this game? Um, but as I've got older and busier in life, if I get a little bit of ho- hobby done most nights, I think it brings me calm. So, you know, I have swung towards hobby. And, and as you say, part of the community and that, like some of my favourite hobby time is is on After Dark. So, um, yeah, community for sure. Um, all right. Well, that concludes all our questions. So hopefully you've got to know a bit about us and our opinions. Alex, do you have any shout outs before we go? Uh, yes. Uh, this will probably come out before uh, my next episode that I that I did with Billy Smith. We were kind of developing or following on the heels of uh, my our episode with Louis Augustus about his Black Order. Uh, I, I talked to Billy about his... Uh, his dwarf army and some of his ideas on theme and going forward we'll we will have a periodic segment uh called the thanes of theme where we discuss army theme with each other and guests about you know and talk about their armies and stuff so that'll be coming out shortly and then uh had some scheduling difficulties just with real life stuff but we're going to be working on the kingdoms of men army review shortly as well so those things are coming up so yeah great keep your keep your ears open yeah i'm meant to be working on the salamanders review um but again we've had some scheduling issues and 
Uh, so just with time differences between who I originally wanted to have on that. So there might be a little bit of a change there, but that's what I'm working on. We've currently got the hobby challenge going, uh, or another hobby challenge going. So jump on there and participate. It's all about participation. And then just want to say, keep your eyes peeled for an upcoming tribute to the pizza profit that we'll use to support the family and the charities that they choose. Uh, so we've got something pretty exciting that you played a pretty big part in, Alex. So um, yeah, pretty, it's going to be a great. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's, it's, I'm, I'm very excited as well. So uh, keep an eye out from that as a as a tribute to to the man Jesse Jesse Cornwall. Um, so if there's nothing else, I think that's all we have time for today. So until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Today we're going to uh, on a trip down that lane and into the dark. Sorry. Today we're going on a trip. I don't even know what I was meaning to say there <laughs> when I typed this. <laughs> yeah, I'm in memory lane. Yeah, but it's not even memory lane. Yeah. No, it's not. No. But yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> sorry, oh, well, I thought you said but, and I thought you had something more than. <laughs> oh no, I did. I had like a little bit of a thought, and then I was like, I'm ha- having a bad brain day. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say.